Uh, you know, one of the many blessings that is a part of being a part of the Lord's church is when you are a part of this body over the course of time, it allows you the opportunity to see people grow. To see them grow physically, to see them grow spiritually. And you know that is such an encouraging thing, isn't it? When you, you look around and you see someone that you've known for a, a long time and you just you see how they're maturing in the Lord, it's an amazing thing to witness. Uh, I, I really appreciated Chaz's remarks a moment ago as he was presiding over the Lord's Supper. I also remember that day that he was baptized because he was the first person that I ever baptized. And, and I remember that excitement. Uh, he always had that excitement. As a matter of fact, he was so excited, he basically jumped into the baptistry. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was a very special day and one that will always be in my memory for sure. Uh, but man, to see the, the man, young man he's grown into, uh, and so many that I look around and, and we look at one another and go, Phew. It's, it's amazing how good God is. And it is such a, an encouraging thing to see one another growing in the Lord and growing in our relationships with one another. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be here. We are truly a blessed, blessed people. Now, saying all that, it's really hard to transition into my topic. Uh, have you ever felt hated? Feeling hated, I, I guess, is a pretty horrible feeling. Yeah. It leaves a person feeling uh, abandoned, feeling lonely, feeling disconnected, uh, sometimes in a, a constant wondering as to why. It's just not an encouraging feeling. It's an encouraging feeling to see one another grow in the Lord. <laughs> it is not an encouraging feeling to feel hated. The Apostle Paul, he was hated. He was a man who truly understood what it meant to be hated unjustly, unfairly, and, and to experience the consequences that came as a result of feeling so hated. You see, the, the Jews who hated Paul so much, they were really afraid. They were afraid that he was trying to steal their religion. They were afraid that he was trying to steal their heritage. They were afraid he was trying to rob them uh, of their many traditions. And so even for a lot of Jews who had come to know Jesus, by the time Paul comes around, a lot of those Jewish Christians even were pretty uncertain about the Apostle Paul. Is he a friend or is he a foe? This is what was believed about him that we see in Acts 21 and verse 21. It says, They've been told about you, that is Paul, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to their custom. So the rumor was one that had already been accepted as fact. This is the reason why last week, you know last week we talked about those believers who are with Paul who begged and pleaded for Paul not to go to Jerusalem because they knew what was going to happen. They knew that in Jerusalem there were people who not only wanted to see Paul imprisoned, there were people who hated Paul so desperately they wanted to see him dead. And because they loved Paul so much, they didn't want to see any harm come to him. And so they had begged and begged and begged, please, please, don't go. And you know, all it took was a couple of days in Jerusalem for everything that they had 
so worried about to come to pass. It was as a result of a rumor that had developed. The rumor was that Paul had taken a Gentile into the, the inner court of the temple. Now, there was nothing wrong with taking a Gentile into the outer court of the temple. You could do that. But you could not take a Gentile into the inner court of the temple. If you did, it was punishable by death. Did Paul do that? I mean, was Paul guilty of, of taking a, a Gentile into the inner courts of the temple? No, he, he didn't do that at all. So, so where did this rumor then develop? Well, you can go down to verse 20. I think that's supposed to be 29 there. Yes, verse 29. This is where this accusation occurred. It says, For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Again, that's supposed to be Acts 21-29 there. Do you see that key word? They supposed. What does that mean? They assumed. They assumed that just because they had seen him with a Gentile out in the city, that he must have gone into the temple, into the inner part of the temple with this same Gentile. Paul had gone to the temple, by the way, but it was to participate in the purification ceremony so that he could actually... Uh, still uphold the heritage that the Jews had, but he had not taken this man with him. But they supposed he did. They assumed that he had. Assumptions lead to a lot of thoughts, feelings, words, actions. Oftentimes things that we can never take back, things that we can never undo oftentimes creates a lot more hardship and heartache than what we could ever imagine. Why do we assume? Why, why do we assume things about people? I think as human beings, we are very prone to assume the worst. Now sometimes, sometimes we make assumptions because if we're just very honest, we already don't like somebody. And because we already don't like them, then it's very easy for us to assume the absolute worst about them, whether it's true or not, because we don't like them. If we're just being real. Other times, other times we just don't want to invest the, the energy and the emotional uh, fortitude that it's going to require to invest in really finding out if what I think is true is actually true. Maybe I don't want to have that awkward conversation with somebody that I don't know how it's going to go just so I can learn whether or not my assumptions are true. I don't know why we do this. I don't know why we're so guilty of it at times. Now, are there times that our assumptions are true? Yeah. There are times when our assumptions about someone are absolutely on point. But it's rare. Usually we miss the mark a little bit or an awful lot. And either way, a lot of heartache could be saved by simply stating that which we know to be completely true and nothing else. These, these false assumptions about the Apostle Paul, man, they resulted in the people getting so upset, they drug him out of the temple and they beat him mercilessly. Then all the city was stirred up 
And the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. There was so much chaos as a result of these false assumptions. So much chaos going on that when the Roman soldiers arrived, they really couldn't make heads or tails. They didn't know who was at fault. They didn't know who had started it. They didn't know what it was about. So they just arrested Paul. We're just going to arrest Paul to be on the safe side here so we can kind of figure out what is going on. Verse 35 says, When he came to the steps... He was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed him, crying out, Away with him! And listen, those words, away with him, that's just a very polite way of saying put him to death. They want Paul dead. And the Roman soldiers, they're trying to protect Paul. They're trying to keep him from this mob. They're trying to figure out what exactly is happening. Now, Paul, in all of this, he wants to defend himself. Can you imagine that for just a moment? Here is a man who has just been beat mercilessly by a mob. Beat by a group of people who want him dead. Can you imagine what he must have looked like? Can you imagine as he stood before them, beaten and bruised, battered and bloody? Can you imagine him standing there Wanting to state the truth. Wanting to, to correct the assumption. Wanting to defend himself. Defend himself before this very, very angry mob. Again, people that wanted him dead. You know, the Apostle Paul was guilty, by the way. He wasn't guilty of the accusation made of him that of taking a Gentile into the temple. That wasn't what he was guilty of. But he was guilty of being a very devout Jew who probably upheld the law better than anyone else there. And he was guilty of being someone who took the mission of Christ very seriously. And he was guilty of taking the gospel of Jesus to all people. Those things he was very much guilty of. But those weren't the accusations made against him. We too. We are supposed to be guilty of being a people who take the gospel. Who take the good news of Jesus to the world around us. But we don't always do it the way we should. And I know there's a list of excuses as to why, but typically the number one reason why is because we're afraid. Well, what are we afraid of? Well, listen, it can be an intimidating thing when you're trying to take the gospel to someone who you know in the conversation itself, they may be assuming the very worst about you. It can be a kind of a, an intimidating thing to even begin that conversation when you know that from their end, there are things they're thinking about you that aren't true, that aren't justified.
But just like the Apostle Paul, God will prepare us for the moments that come, the opportunities that come, so that we are prepared to share the gospel. Uh, Listen to what Paul would say in his defense. In Acts 22, picking up in verse 1, he says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Paul was born in a, in a very powerful city. He was born in Tarsus. It was a city of, of great commerce and wealth. No doubt the Apostle Paul had seen a, a lot of cultures coming and going throughout Tarsus when he was growing up. He had the opportunity to sit at the feet and learn from Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was like the rabbi of the day. He was like the rabbi of rabbis, okay? And from Gamaliel, he learned, he learned the law. He learned Jewish customs. He learned this, this zeal for God that would never be put out. You see, he had learned a lot. A lot of things had prepared him for this particular point in his life because the Apostle Paul knew all these things and he knew Jesus. He knew that Jesus had come and and had put away, put to death that old law. And he knew that through Jesus coming, there was this new covenant that was now in place. And if anyone, if anyone could communicate that to these people, it was the Apostle Paul. He had been one of them. He shared in their background. For us, God still prepares us to to be the witness for Him that He wants us to be in this particular moment in time. It's just for us, we we don't always see it the way the Apostle Paul could. The Apostle Paul had this ability to just kind of have hindsight, you know, and still recognize the things that had happened to him in his past and where it had brought him into his present. We tend to fail to see that sometimes, and we don't always recognize how our past has brought us to where we are now. But all of us, all of us have had experiences where we have learned. We have had opportunities where we've been influenced by people. We have had God put opportunities in front of us to, to share the gospel. He's, he's given us unique personalities and, and individual gifts and all these things He's done to equip us for right now, for this moment in time, to be able to witness for Him the way He wants us to. Now maybe... Maybe you sit there and you think, okay, it sounds really good. I know what I should be doing. And I I can see how how God has prepared me for this particular moment in my life. I I can look back and I can see things that have happened in my life that have brought me to here. Oh, but Blake, I've just really made a mess of things. I I have really messed my life up somewhere along the way. And if if you had any idea of how badly I'd messed up my life somewhere in the past, then you would know, you would know that I just don't feel like I can, I can have the influence for Christ, that influence for the Lord that I know He wants me to have. Okay. I have no doubt everyone up in here 
have past regrets that we live with. I have no doubt that every one of us in here live with some mess in the rearview mirror of our life that we desperately wish we could have undone or done differently. But none of us, none of us live with the mess the Apostle Paul lived with. And if God can take Paul out of his mess, then you better believe He can take you and me out of our mess and make something wonderful happen from it. The Apostle Paul would speak about what he had been guilty of starting in verse 4. He said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take these also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. The Apostle Paul, he said, I, I did some really bad stuff. But by the grace of God, I'm standing before you. That's a testimony that every one of us should be able to make. That yes, there was some mess in our life. There was some past regret that we may have lived with. But by the grace of God, we are who we are and we are where we are. And we're able to leave those things behind us. And listen, here's the beauty of it. Just like the Apostle Paul was able to refer back to those things, Lord willing, we reach a point in our spiritual maturity where we too, we too could openly share with someone the mistakes we've made and the lessons we've learned and how God saw us through. That being the most important part, by the way, how God saw us through and give God all the glory for the mess that He pulled us out of. And that even that becomes such a strong aspect to our ability to share the Gospel with people and to be very real because there's a lot of people in this world. They want to know Jesus. There's a lot who just don't feel good enough. They just don't feel worthy. So it becomes so important for us to humbly communicate the Gospel and make sure that people don't think we don't live with any regret. That we don't live with any mistake. That we don't live with any mess in the, in the rearview mirror of life. Because we all do. But if we will allow God to pull us through that life mess, it's amazing how it becomes a part of your overall redemption story. And just how good God is. There's one last quick point I want to share with you in this text before we prepare to close. Uh, and it's a hard point to accept. Um, not a hard point to understand, but it's a hard point to accept that sometimes the very people in this life that we may most hope would accept the Gospel of Christ. They may not. The Apostle Paul would continue speaking, going down to verse 17. He said, When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, 
Go, or I will send you far away to the Gentiles. It is very heartbreaking when the very people we love the most that we ourselves desperately want to see them accept the gospel of Christ and they're not interested at all. Whether it's the unbelieving spouse or the grown children or grandchildren or, or the friend from high school, those who are a part of our life that we, oh, we want more than anything else to see them come to Jesus. Sometimes they don't. And that is very heartbreaking. That can be very discouraging. Paul never stopped wanting. He never stopped praying that his Jewish brethren would come to know Jesus. He never let go of that desire. And he took every opportunity in his power to share that with them. But he also, he also changed direction as the Lord willed. And he taught the Gentiles the Gospel of Christ. And countless numbers of people came to know Jesus. There are still tender hearts out there. There is still good soil waiting for the, the seed, waiting for the Gospel of Christ to be planted. It may not always be the person that we're looking to and saying, that's my target, that's who I want to get. It may not always be them. But as we go about sharing the Gospel of Christ, as the Lord gives us opportunity, we will see people come to Jesus. We will know the encouragement that comes with that wonderful, wonderful thing. I hope, I pray, I pray that we are always a church made up of disciples striving to make disciples. That's really what it's all about. I hope that that is always our focus and our end goal. And I know how easy it is to lose track. I know how easy it is to lose focus. I, I know how easy it is to forget about keeping the main thing the main thing. But that should be our very heart's desire. That should be at the core of who we are. I'm a disciple of Christ who wants, who wants to bring about other disciples. Who wants to see fruit being born. Maybe you're here, we're, just, uh, we're about to sing a song, an old hymn called Just As I Am, a very familiar hymn. It's a beautiful hymn <clears throat> because it, it paints this picture, it reminds us that we don't have to do anything to get ready to come to the Lord. We come just as we are. And so if you find yourself this morning and, and maybe you've been, you've just been struggling You've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've never begun this relationship. And maybe it's because in your mind you think you've made too many mistakes in your past. Maybe it's because you don't think you'd ever be good enough. You'd never be worthy enough. I want you to know. I don't want you to leave here with any misunderstanding. God wants you to come to Him just as you are. He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. The water's ready this morning if you are. Or maybe as a child of God's, maybe you know. You know that you haven't been that disciple 
striving to make other disciples. And maybe that's something that you would like for us, your church family, to pray with you about. Or maybe there's some other need that you might have. But if we can help you in any way, won't you come while we stand and sing?